BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A woman vanishes during the coldest December Michigan has seen in years. We instantly knew that something was wrong. They had Arctic temperatures come through and it brought a ton of lake effect snow. I remember walking through the snow and the snow was at my knees. As family and law enforcement search in dangerously frigid temperatures, they learn about an ongoing feud. There was no love lost uh, between the neighbors. Yeah, you better get away from me. I better not. Could this never-ending winter prevent investigators from finding the truth? We knew that we had a, a short window to do a search before we had more snow. Or be the key to solving this mystery. Without the weather, we wouldn't have had the amount of evidence that we had. About 20 miles west of Grand Rapids, Michigan, lies Crockery Township, a small rural community in Ottawa County. It's actually one of the fastest growing uh, counties in the state of Michigan. Great vacation resort destination area. We have great lakes, uh, great rivers, great outdoor activities. It's just a wonderful outdoor state. While this western part of Michigan receives all four seasons, winters here can be cruel. Winter weather in this part of Michigan can last from November to April, and temperatures go below freezing from December to February, often for weeks at a time. They average 80 inches of snow in the winter, which is much more than most of the country. You can get heavy dumps in the wintertime uh, that are charged by the Great Lakes, Lake Michigan specifically. With Crockery Township just 10 miles from the banks of Lake Michigan, the small community is considered in the snow belt and often gets winter lake effect snow. Lake effect snow occurs when relatively warm, moist air over a lake rises with cold air moving over top of it. When the wind and temperatures are just right, the moisture from the lake can turn into a steady stream of snow downwind over land. And in 2017, a white Christmas was typically in store for Ottawa County and an extremely cold one. We had Arctic temperatures come through in late December and it brought a ton of lake effect snow. In addition to just sub-zero temperatures, it was just bitterly cold. I remember the weather forecast of, of just preparing our community for the amount of snow we were going to get. In Crunkery Township, local authorities soon find themselves battling this extreme winter weather in search of a missing woman. Two days after Christmas, more snow is on its way, and a local woman named Jane Luke is traveling to her mother's home when she hasn't been able to reach her for hours. She suffered from COPD emphysema, so the first thing that we were assuming is 
something medically probably went wrong. It was almost like whiteout conditions just driving out. You couldn't even see the road. Once there, Jane says she found it eerily vacant. When I walked in, her house was unlocked. I seen her half-drinking coffee sitting on her table. I see her purse and her keys lying on her nightstand. Her car was home. Her cell phone was there. Something was wrong. Um, her stuff is there, but she's missing. With the freezing temperatures and more snow in the forecast overnight, Jane says that's when they decided to call the police and report her 59-year-old mother, Sheila Bungie, missing. We were just really concerned. It was almost like my mom vanished in thin air. Sheila K. Luke Bungie was born October 29, 1958, in Coopersville, Michigan. My mother was one of 14 children. They grew up on a number of acres where they grew a lot of their own food, they raised their own animals. That's the lifestyle she was accustomed to. After graduating high school in 1976, Sheila moved to California. She has a half-sister that lived in California that had her own upholstery shop. And that's where her and my father met. And then right before I was born, my mom decided that she wanted to be closer to her family. Once she was back in Michigan, Sheila and Jane's father split, but she soon found love again. My mother and father um, met in the early uh, 1980s. And after a few years of dating, um, they were married. They soon added two children to the family a daughter, Sandra, and son, Charlie. I was born in 1985, and then my brother, 1986, a year after me. My mom was a stay-at-home mother and a really fun mom. Um, we always had um, like a trampoline in the backyard. She'd put the sprinkler under it for us. We'd be able to invite all our friends over. But after 18 years of marriage, with the kids grown, the couple grew apart and separated. That's when Sheila decided to follow her passion. She loved taking care of everyone around her. Uh, she really wanted to work in the medical field, um, just taking care of the elderly, those who couldn't do for themselves. Her caring attitude and wanting to be there and help others, it gave her happiness knowing that she could help somebody. Then in 2000, Sheila had another chance at love when she met a man named Wayne Homan. I think my mom was out with some friends and they met and they headed off. He was over-the-road truck driver. In 2005, Sheila and Wayne purchased an acre of property with a small house outside of Coopersville in the rural part of Crockery Township. He was gone a lot of the time, so a lot of times my mom was home alone. And she really didn't mind. She loved having her property, her space, her privacy. My mom loved to grow gardens and have her animals. Sheila's beloved new property was situated at the end of an easement, a shared gravel driveway surrounded by farmland. The easement allows access to three individual residents. Um, it's about a half a mile long, and my mother lived at the very far house at the end of the easement on the left-hand side. An easement is, it's a pretty common uh, thing here. They have to allow those property owners to gain access to their property through like a shared driveway, but nobody really personally owns that driveway. But as time went on, Sheila's declining health forced her to retire from the nursing home 
when she started suffering from emphysema. My mother, once she um, retired, she spent a lot of time taking care of the property, growing larger gardens. Uh, she had a number of animals on her property, so that was pretty time consuming. Then in 2009, Sheila got new neighbors when Rhonda Clark and Wendell Popejoy moved into a house next door. They used to hang out with each other and have a great time. She loved sharing the produce she grew out of the garden. She would share with her neighbor. She would just give it to anyone in need. Three years later, Mark and Beth Muir moved into the first house along the easement. The shared driveway came from another road. It ran past Mark and Beth's house, and the Muirs owned the property all the way around it. Sheila loved her life, and in December of 2017, she was excited about the holidays coming. She was happy to be able to see the kids. She had bought a ton of presents for the kids, and she was really looking forward to just spending that family time. But now, after not hearing from her mother for two days and with the weather dangerously cold, Sheila's daughter Jane calls the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office and files a missing persons report. Me and my mother talked every day on the phone. I knew something wasn't right. Investigators must battle deep snow and unthinkable winter weather to find Sheila Bungie. It's one of those times where you walk from your house to your car and your nose freezes, your eyelashes freeze. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Two days after Christmas in 2017, the family of Sheila Bungie has just notified deputies from the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office in Michigan that the 59-year-old is missing from her Crockery Township home. They had last seen her right after uh, Christmas Eve and then spoken with her on Christmas and had not spoken with her since that time. At the time, we were panicking. Maybe she became disoriented, you know, had slipped and fallen and wasn't able to get up or make it back up the hill back to her house. And on top of below freezing temperatures, another winter storm is on its way. They had a storm come through and dump over four inches of snow on ground that was already covered. 
and the forecast was calling for more snowstorms. They hope that wherever Sheila is, it's not outside. If you're not dressed completely properly, the exposure alone at those temperatures um, can be fatal. Four hours after the 911 call, a deputy shows up at the home of Sheila and her fiance. Deputy's initial response time was actually delayed due to a, a bad traffic crash because of all the snow uh, that we'd been having. Once there, the deputy meets with Sheila's daughters, Sandy Bungie and Jane Luke, and he quickly realizes the neighborhood is very familiar. Our road patrol had responded on different occasions for neighborhood disputes, um, problems between Sheila and the neighbors. In fact, law enforcement has responded to more than 50 calls over the last five years from Sheila and her neighbors, Beth and Mark Muir, and Wendell Popejoy and Rhonda Clark. The dispute was who owns that easement? And Sheila claimed it was hers through the purchase of her property. The Muirs uh, persistently claimed that it was theirs. When the new neighbors moved in, Mark and Beth, they started antagonizing my mom. They would um, move things that were on her property. They put a pole in the middle of the driveway, and it just made it really difficult for her to even access her own driveway. In her mind, they were trying to drive her from the property, uh, which is why they were making things so tough on Sheila. And I believe that affected um, my mom's relationship with Wendell and Rhonda, because once Wendell and Rhonda chose to pursue a friendship with Mark and Beth, um, it was almost like my mom started to be bullied by everyone on the street. The neighbors were constantly calling the sheriff's department on each other. Whether it was uh, someone yelling at somebody or didn't like the way somebody was driving down the easement road. You don't own an easement, we do. That's the only one you have. You don't have any easement because you're not a landowner. Complaints about property lines. There was ongoing verbal abuse allegedly between Sheila and her neighbors. And there was effectively nothing that the sheriff could do except talk to each other. And with Sheila's feisty personality, she made her opinion known. My mom was a very strong-headed person and she she believed in what she believed in, and she would definitely stand up for it. And that's exactly what she did. She was really small, but she had a really big voice, and uh, she could get a little loud if she wanted to. Then you better get off my property and get away from me. Yeah. Yep. Easement. This is not easement. an easement. It's not on You're the survey. On the There's two easements. Sheila's family tells the deputy that problems between the neighbors may have become more intense than anyone realized. They tried to get charges brought on a couple of occasions that the judges did not buy that and would not bring charges. There was a court case that was coming up in January of 2018 to establish the ownership of that easement road. Beth and Mark Muir, the newest neighbors at the far end of the easement, were responsible for the court filings. Mark and Beth were the main ones that were in the lawsuit with my mom, and they were the main ones going after property. 
Just a few days prior, subpoenas were being served to Rhonda and Thamir's about appearing in court. With the possibility of something more serious on their hands, the deputy searches Sheila's home for clues. But there are no signs of forced entry, and the family says nothing appears to be stolen. Inside Sheila's home, there was still a pot of coffee that was turned on inside. The doors were left unlocked. Her car was still at the residence. All of her personal effects were at the residence. Even more concerning is the location of Sheila's snowblower. Her snowblower appeared to be her baby, and she always kept it in the house in the basement. Sheila was typically the person who would um, snowblow the driveway in the morning uh, with a walk-behind snowblower, um, which is quite an accomplishment. And her snowblower was right outside her back door. She would never leave the snowblower parked where it was out like that and expose the elements. So they were very concerned about that. And in the yard, there is no other evidence of anyone coming or going. Another two inches of snow had fallen during the day on December 27th. So the fresh snow could have covered any tracks or footprints. The deputy contacts investigators and updates them on the suspicious circumstances. He does his best to search outside that evening, despite the elements. Due to darkness and the cold weather, it was decided to pick it up in the morning. Investigators look to Sheila's neighbors for answers as the risk of more snow and life-threatening temperatures loom over them. The weather was definitely working uh, against us, and the bitter cold um, was as much of a problem as the snow at that point. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. During a brutal winter in Crockery Township, Michigan, police and family of Sheila Bungie, who has not been heard from in 48 hours, believe her neighbors, who she's had disagreements with for months, may know something about her disappearance. There was a very clear neighborhood dispute between Sheila and uh, a few of the other property owners that shared an easement, uh, which is a driveway. They were insisting that more of my mom's property was their property. And my mom had uh, a case in court that was coming up involving the neighbors.
At first daylight, the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office assembles a large search and rescue team, along with Sheila's family. Many of her brothers, her sisters, there was a lot of family there. I would guess about 25 of us. Sheila's fiance, Wayne Homan, also arrives to help with the search. Wayne was out of state uh, working for his company, doing his truck driving. His company had let him leave work and he was very cooperative and he was very concerned and upset on what happened to Sheila. As they spread out to search, police realized they'll need to hurry. Lake effect snow showers were forecasted Thursday afternoon into Friday morning and locally heavy amounts of over eight inches of snow. We were going to get more severe weather later that day. We had a, a short window to try to do a search. They were expecting afternoon snow showers with temperatures in the low teens and wind chills well below zero. With another snow shower in the forecast, police and Sheila's family know their window of searching for her is getting smaller by the minute. We actually summoned the Michigan State Police to help. They have a large canine unit and they actually brought four dogs in um, to help search the area. But with temperatures continuing to drop, the dogs can only do so much. They were only able to do short segments of time of searching before they had to get their dog back into the car to get warmed up so their paws didn't get too cold. The wintry conditions are slowing down their search efforts even further. The snow was unbelievably high. I remember walking through the snow and the snow was at my knees. The weather was definitely working uh, against us. We didn't see any tracks around the area and the bitter cold um, was as much of a problem as the snow at that point. Being outside for even, you know, two or three minutes walking through the deep snow, it was so cold. It was just bone chilling cold. Every five minutes you had to get back in a vehicle. We used uh, hand warmers, whatever we had in our car to stay warm because it was so cold out. Knowing there was an ongoing feud between Sheila and her neighbors, while police continue to search, detectives decide to knock on a few doors. The Sheriff's Department started to go to the neighbors to see if anybody knew of her whereabouts. Sheila was missing under suspicious circumstances and the pending court date, um, definitely starting to look suspicious. They begin next door, the home of Rhonda Clark and Wendell Popejoy. I met with Mr. Uh, Popejoy. I explained to him that we were looking for his neighbor, Sheila. I asked if he knew anything about that and he said that he didn't. I asked when he had last seen Sheila and he said that he believed it was before Christmas. But he doesn't deny there was some bad blood there. He advised that he was not on her Christmas card list uh, and that there had been some ongoing neighbor disputes. He painted Sheila as a uh, very horrible person who had foul, uh, vulgar language and would um, engage in verbal altercations with his girlfriend, Rhonda. In fact, Wendell says that Sheila recently began taunting them by blowing snow with her snowblower onto their properties. Detectives then asked to speak to Wendell's girlfriend. Rhonda was not home at the time. She had family um, a couple hours away in a different county. That definitely adds to our suspicion that Rhonda uh, isn't anywhere to be found, but we also knew at the same time that there could be some very reasonable explanations for that. Next, police speak with Mark and Beth Muir. They too don't deny the pending court case on January 9th or their disdain for Sheila. They denied any knowledge um, of her whereabouts as well or where she might be, other than to say that they had some problems with her in the past and neither of them got along with Sheila. Investigators believe that whatever happened to Sheila Bungie, the answer is somewhere along that disputed easement and among the short list of residents. We are concerned that uh, possibly somebody had done something to harm her. 
As another winter storm arrives, search efforts are almost unbearable as the weather finally reveals Sheila's fate. And instantly, you know, my sister and I started crying and, and hugging. Crockery Township, Michigan. Search efforts to find missing 59-year-old Sheila Bungie have been difficult as the area experiences the worst winter they've seen in years. It was a bitterly cold winter. Uh, the temperatures routinely fell below zero. Sheila's daughters, I mean, they had concerns. Their first thought was to focus in on the neighbors and if they had any contact with their mom. Jane and I knew that she wouldn't leave her house, she wouldn't leave her animals. So to us, it was a very serious situation. And after questioning Beth and Mark Muir and Wendell Popejoy, they make no attempt to hide their feelings about the missing woman. There was a pending civil court case um, over some property rights and who owned which property and where the property lines were and who had access and rights to this driveway. Although investigators have yet to find evidence of any crime, they believe foul play may be involved. Just came back to the family saying how strange it was that that snowblower was left outside uh, really led us to believe that perhaps Sheila was somewhere outside. Despite the extreme weather conditions, Sheila's property is thoroughly searched, as well as the shared easement. The single-digit temperatures and the below-zero wind chills um, made it a very uh, challenging scene for investigators. It was tough on the dogs um, to try to find her. It was tough on the search crews, on the deputies, on the families. But after hours of searching in the icy weather, there's still no sign of Sheila. The dogs searched as long as they could until they were exhausted due to the cold temperatures and the heavy snow. We were not able to find anything. She was nowhere to be found. The only land left to cover belongs to Wendell and Rhonda, but Wendell won't give authorities permission to search their property. There was a point where they started to walk on the back of Wendell and Rhonda's property, and they were told that that was private property, they didn't have permission and to not trespass on the property. One of our detectives was assigned to, to assist with a search warrant. While investigators wait for the warrant, Sheila's family decide to take matters into their own hands. My brother and my uncle and one of my mom's sisters decided to venture off on Wendell and Rhonda's property right next door to my mother's house. They make their way about 150 feet behind their house in the woods when something in the snow catches their eye. One of Sheila's relatives saw what he believed was a foot sticking out of the snow. Everyone rushes towards the woods. With the icy temperatures preserving her body, there's no doubt it's Sheila Bungie. I remember being inside Sheila's house and searching, and a family member came running into the house and saying that they had found Sheila. I just remember falling to my knees. It felt like my world was crushed. As police arrive, they secure and process the area surrounding Sheila's frozen body and start digging her out of the snow. So she was uh, mostly covered up with a probably 
four to five inch layer of snow. We actually had to excavate down uh, through the snow and we noted that um, she was bleeding from the face and head area. However, um, due to everything being frozen, it was difficult to ascertain what ex exactly had happened. I didn't see any specific injuries other than that I could tell there was some trauma to the back of her head and there was uh, frozen blood and snow in her hair. But she was unclothed in the snow. And so we were concerned that all of her clothing was missing. Um, you know, we were told that she normally would snow blow in like a Carhartt type coat with a hood. She'd have on snow pants and boots and mittens. And so to find her there with no clothes on um, definitely was a concern. So our first thought was that somebody had removed her clothing, um, which led us to suspect a homicide. Meanwhile, snow showers increase and police must scramble to protect the scene. The snow really started falling again and the blizzard resumed. Um, and so not only were we trying to clear off the existing snow that had already fallen, but now we're dealing with uh, new falling snow as well and um, exposure from being out there outside for so long. And that evening, they were looking at a low around nine with a wind chill of three below. It was a south wind, seven to 10 miles per hour with wind gusts as high as 18. This was the biggest storm of that winter so far. A real hellacious dump. And um, it seemed unbelievable. We started losing light as we progressed through this crime scene. And we started struggling with Temperatures falling once the sun goes down, and then new falling snow covering up. We were trying to uncover as we worked the crime scene. I made it difficult. We were able to bring a um, temporary cover in and place it over um, the immediate area of the, the body in the crime scene, um, which helped us try to uh, work on that area without getting new snow falling over it. Although Sheila's body has been well-preserved by the temperature, any other evidence has been concealed or destroyed by the snowfall. There was no evidence in and around her body that gave us any indication as to how her body got down there. As the body is removed for an autopsy, authorities head over to pay Wendell another visit. And at that point, Captain Sparks and I um, had gone back and decided we needed to go back and talk to Wendell and try to get some explanation of why there was a body in his backyard. I advised Wendell that there was uh good news and that there was bad news. I told him that we had found Sheila uh, was the good news, but I said that uh, she was found uh, deceased. And uh, he said, oh no. Wendell didn't seem overly um, shocked or surprised. He was very calm. His demeanor kind of stayed the same. I advised him that uh, we actually found her on his property uh, naked uh, behind his home and uh, I needed some explanation for that. Wendell uh, wasn't sure why there would be a body in the backyard. Um, he didn't really have any information for us at that point. He denied any knowledge, denied any wrongdoing, uh, denied knowing anything about that, and uh, had no explanation for why uh, the body of a, a dead woman would be uh, basically directly out his back slider. Detectives hoped that Rhonda might be able to provide some answers. Rhonda had left one of her daughters lived um, up near Big Rapids in the Canadian Lakes area. And she had gone up there within the 24 hours prior to us finding uh, Sheila's body. Investigators are eager to get to Rhonda, but the weather has taken a turn for the worse. Another detective had been sent up north to interview Rhonda. 
and I worried about him getting back safely. The snow was just really continuing uh, to hammer the area. When I finally did make it back to headquarters, I remember the drive taking me two or three times longer than it normally would because it was so, such slow going. And we're two o'clock in the morning now or something, it's dark. Um, can barely see about zero visibility. Between December 27th and 29th in 2017, Crockery Township received more than 10 inches of snow and locals were advised to stay off the roads. Police search the home of Wendell and Rhonda and find some eye-opening clues. Once I saw the fresh snow and the blood, that clearly then started uh, raising my concerns and red flags. He was developing as our prime suspect in the homicide of Sheila Banji. After heavy snowfall and single-digit temperatures hamper investigation efforts in Crockery Township, Michigan, the body of Sheila Bungie has been found buried in the snow behind her neighbor's house. We really started focusing our investigation onto uh, Wendell Popejoy and or his girlfriend, Rhonda, but we didn't know who else could be involved if uh, this was something that the other neighbors were involved in. Back at the crime scene, Detectives get a search warrant and spread out on Wendell and Rhonda's property looking for evidence. And that's when the pieces fall together. There was a burn barrel on his property. He began going through the contents of the burn barrel and actually noted several um, brass buttons and buckles, later discovered a, a portion of a zipper. From like a pair of snow pants or Carhartt type pants, and uh, he had found uh, that, just metal that didn't burn. At the same time, detectives are scouring through the detached garage, specifically looking for clues as to what could have been used to move Sheila's body. And about the time, the same time that that happened, um, Detective Taminga had noticed that there was a sled in the garage. He located a sled that was a game sled for pulling waterfowl, ducks, geese, or deer in after hunting. When I saw that sled, there was some snow yet that hadn't melted uh, on the bottom side of that sled, which indicated to me that sled was used somewhat recently. We'd only had snow starting about the 24th of December through the 28th of December, so we suspected that that snow had been packed on there uh, within the last three or four days. But the fresh snow isn't the only thing that catches his eye. I looked a little bit closer at the sled and saw kind of a, a dried reddish brownish substance on it. At the time, I couldn't definitively say that it was blood, but it was very consistent to what I know dried blood to look like. He then heads outside to see if he can find any tracks. And when I did that, I noticed headed right in towards the direction of where Sheila's body was located, I saw kind of an indentation in the snow, a sledding track, if you will, down that hill. And clearly a lot of snow had fallen since that sled track had been made in the snow. The evidence is enough to bring Wendell down to the station for questioning. We have the dead body behind Wendell's home. We have the bits of clothing in the uh, burn barrel. We have decided that we would take Wendell um, to headquarters for a full uh, interview and interrogation due to the fact that he was developing as our prime suspect. Meanwhile, 
Detectives questioned Rhonda at a neighboring sheriff's office. Rhonda was still uh, in Macosta County, and uh, one of our detectives actually drove up and interviewed her. She had no explanation as to why there would be blood on that sled. Um, said they virtually used the sled to carry their ice fishing equipment. Rhonda also insists she doesn't know anything about who killed Sheila. At that time, she didn't really have any information that was helpful to the investigation. So short of additional either statements or evidence to the contrary, we didn't have enough at that point to charge Rhonda with any crime. Detectives question Wendell back at the station, but he still refuses to admit to anything. Detective Coster and I started the interview with Wendell, just getting general information about the history of his relationship and, and Rhonda's relationship with Sheila. Detective Taming and I talked to Wendell for quite a while, and I mean, we went round and round with different questions and um, kind of kept pushing him on that burn barrel and the reason why those items were found and also the blood on the sled. I started asking him about the sled. You know, when was the last time he used the sled? And he said it had been um, some time since he had used that sled, which wasn't consistent with the fresh snow that I had seen on the sled. And I think just we were pretty persistent on trying to get answers to those questions. And he just didn't seem to have very good answers um, or really any good explanation of why any of that would be uh, where it was found. I'm thinking either he's involved alone in what happened to Sheila, or he's protecting Rhonda. After five hours of denying any involvement, the 63-year-old with no previous criminal record finally cracks. About 3.30 in the morning, he finally just said, okay, um, I need to, to write something down. Confronted with the evidence, Wendell agrees to talk and what a story he decides to tell. This man was in some sort of a rage. Still, he thought that somebody would kill somebody over that. And it just all of a sudden, he snapped. In Ottawa County, Michigan, Sheriff's detectives investigating the murder of 59-year-old Sheila Bungie finally have a solid suspect, Wendell Popejoy. The extreme cold and lake effect snow really hurt the search for Sheila, and the extra snow actually hid her body. The snow uh, probably hampered the discovery of her body for a good day and a half, two days. If the weather would have been nicer, we probably would have been able to find my mom a lot sooner. It wouldn't have been as brutal on all of us as it was. But thanks to the weather, the snow preserved her body, making her identifiable right away. And it also gave police clues as to what happened. The snow on the sled and the, the kind of track down the hill from when he dragged her body in the sled down to where it was located, those are all very significant pieces of evidence that without weather and the snow, we wouldn't have that. Now, three days since Sheila went missing, Wendell's ready to talk. Wendell eventually uh, said, give me a piece of paper, and he wrote out a confession. In essence, it said, I need to be honest, and I'm involved, and it's only me. He finally just admitted to what had happened and what he had done.
His story begins on the morning of December 26, 2017, while his girlfriend Rhonda was sleeping. It was snowing and winds were gusting as high as 30 miles per hour, which made the wind chill as low as minus 10 degrees. Wendell was at the kitchen sink getting a cup of coffee, and he saw Sheila out with a snowblower going up and down the easement, knowing that she was going to be filling their driveway in with more snow. After years of escalating conflict, Wendell decided to put an end to it once and for all. She was a problem in the neighborhood, and it just all of a sudden, it just he snapped and just decided to take care of the problem. He went to his drawer in his bedroom where he had a, a 22 caliber handgun and um, grabbed his handgun. Wendell described this as a very surreal situation where he observed himself from above going through these motions, getting the gun, watching himself put his boots on, watching himself walk outside. She wouldn't be able to hear or see him coming due to being bundled up in winter gear and the noise of the snowblower running. As Sheila was snowblowing the driveway back towards her house, he walked up behind her and she had her hood pulled up from her winter jacket and he pointed the gun at the back of her head and shot her. Did she immediately fall when he shot her? Yes. She go down on her back or down on her front? threw over his shoulders and then placed her into the sled, pulled her through the snowy yard um, and placed her behind his home. He um, had told us that he did take off all of her clothing, probably just so that way she would be less visible, and then put the clothing back into the sled and then pulled that back up uh, to his burn barrel where he eventually ended up burning them all. His demeanor wasn't real consistent with him being extremely remorseful. He was calm, he was collected, um, he never once really showed emotion at all during that six or so hours that we were in that interview with him. But the last piece of the puzzle still remains, the gun. After investigators were there on the 27th and had interviewed him um, about Sheila being missing, that kind of made him panic a little bit. And he said at that point he took the gun apart um, and went out to the Grand River uh, where he disposed of the gun off the Eastmanville Bridge. Unfortunately, the gun pieces are never recovered, but investigators don't need it. Wendell Popejoy is placed under arrest for the murder of Sheila Bungie. The following day, the medical examiner concludes that Sheila was shot with a 22 caliber in the back of the head, just as Popejoy described. Just because he may say that doesn't mean it's true. You know, it's gotta be consistent with the evidence we have. And when DNA results come back on the blood from the sled, there are no lingering doubts. The blood was found to be Sheila's uh, DNA that was on the sled inside of Wendell Popejoy's garage. That was a huge shock to me to learn that one of the neighbors took um, just a property dispute and, and had it go as far as murdering you know, our mother. In October of 2018, Wendell Popejoy goes on trial for first-degree murder and using a firearm to commit a felony. But Wendell's defense says this was not premeditated. Our defense for Wendell was that this was a spur of the moment, heat of passion type killing. That based upon all of these prior interactions, all of Sheila's harassment, all of Sheila's uh, times that she 
blew snow in their driveway, that this was the final straw. But according to the prosecution, Sheila was a beloved mother and grandmother who was only standing up for herself. And all the steps Wendell took prior to pulling that trigger constitutes premeditation. That Wendell had a choice to leave his sink to go get his gun. Wendell had a choice to put his boots on. Wendell had a choice to put his coat on. Wendell had a choice to walk outside. Wendell had a choice to walk up behind Sheila. And then ultimately, Wendell had a choice to fire the weapon. It's enough to convince the jury. On October 15th, 2018, Wendell Pope Joy is found guilty of all charges. First degree murder in Michigan carries mandatory life in prison. And that means there's no early parole. So it was, you know, almost a moment of relief for most of us. But Wendell didn't show any emotion. He had no feelings um, about it. He was just cold-hearted. For the family of Sheila Bungie, their loss can never be replaced. She loved to make people laugh, and she loved to make people happy. I'm hoping that she'll be remembered as a good person, a loving, caring person. But without the harsh Michigan winter, the case may have remained unsolved. Ultimately, if it kept snowing, I'm not sure if she would have been found by her family or the sheriff's department. Hands down, without the snow, we wouldn't have had the amount of evidence that we had. Any other time of year, that, that wouldn't be a, a part of this story.